There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we get started with today's episode of Bench with Bubba, let me tell you about one of our sponsors, Draft. If you love fantasy baseball, then you need to try our new favorite app called Draft. It's daily fantasy baseball, but not like the other guys. On Draft, you play live snake drafts with other people just like in your season-long league. Drafts last just for one night. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Just set it and forget it. And the best part? You play for cold, hard cash and get paid out the next day. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. Trust me, I love playing drafts. I play golf. I play NFL, basketball. You can play um, three. Uh, you can play head-to-head, three-man, six-man. There's, there's running leagues. You win one night. It keeps going for four, five, six nights. You can play a dream team. There's all kinds of great ways to play draft, and you can join me today. Just search draft in your app store or play right from your computer on draft.com. And when you enter promo code SDSPORTS, you got to enter the promo code SD Sports. You get a free entry into a real money baseball draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code SD Sports. That's right. Playing a real money game for free just for using the promo code SD Sports when you make your first deposit. Just again, search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and enter the promo code SD Sports. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. back everybody to another episode of Bench with Bubba episode 98 and it's kind of a big deal for me because now I get to complete the nasty cast three-way I guess it is or four-way I'm not exactly sure how the trifecta of the nasty cast and and he's the first member of the nasty cast to figure out his camera so that's a big accomplishment (laughs) but um you get you you can find him on twitter at manly van lee van how we doing man Doing great. Happy to be here. Like I said, this completes the trifecta. I mean, you may have talked to uh, Nate Miller, which he was on for a brief while, so that could have been the fourth guy. So there's that one. And we've had the old host, Joe Osaji, and a few others. But uh, yeah, 
Uh, I think I'm the first member of the Launch Angle podcast to join the show. So that's that's an honor as well. Yes, yes, you are. And um, I don't know if I'll be able to get the other two on. So I appreciate you coming to join me. But well, it depends uh, if you yeah, want to talk was... about Canadian politics, because if you want to do that, then Rob will be on an instant. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I could talk about American politics, let alone Canadian. Um, you can find Van's work, as he mentioned, he does the awesome Launch Angle podcast with uh, Rob Silver and Jeff Zimmerman. It's a great, great podcast. And you have the Fantasy Dynasty, or Fantrax Dynasty podcast with the Nasty Cast guys and all of his work at Fantrax. I heard on your recent, I believe it was your Launch Angle pod, you have a new job at Fantrax. Would you like to talk about that? I do. I mean, it's boring for most people, but in essence, I call myself a producer. So I uh, will be uploading the shows, speaking with all the the hosts of our various shows and doing the the background boring work. And like, for example, anytime a problem crops up, like I learned today, a lot of our shows aren't on uh, Google Hangouts. So now I have to go fix that. So it's not exactly exciting, but uh, you're going to see my name thrown about a lot more. So I guess that's the good news out of it all. Yeah, that's good. And uh, at least you know what you're doing because well, I've been doing this. Just, I've been doing this like the slap and tickle effect, and it's been very, very challenging at times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, before we get into the outline we have on tap, I have to ask you because you've talked about it a lot, and they make fun of you with your mustache you had. But you, you, you had it for a good cause, and it was called Super Troopers. Mm-hmm. Now, I am a big Super Troopers fan as well, and you went with your buddies. First question if you had to be one of the characters, who would, they, who would your friends say you would be? My friends would probably say I'm Mac, and I might <laughs> stick with that. I might say, yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. You know, doing the slamming the shots one after another with the mustache and the uh, the wig. Yeah, that's that's pretty true. I like it. And then secondly, just I've heard of many mixed results, and nothing was ever going to lead uh, live up to the first Super Troopers. But what did you think of going to Canada? I thought it was fine. Uh, it was an enjoyable movie if you went in with the expectations of. This is going to be stupid stoner humor, and it's funny. And I did, so I enjoyed it. But if you go in thinking it's going to be as good as the first one or a truly good movie, you were going to be disappointed. But I enjoyed it. Yep, that's almost exactly how I felt about it. I'm like, there's no way it's going to be the same. I just want to laugh a lot, turn my brain off for a while. And yeah, it was very, very good. Now let's talk fantasy baseball, as uh, people tend to tune in for. Uh, you came out with your 2019 yeah. top 10 at this moment. And I love it. Nothing like being out in front of the gate. And uh, you, you nailed that one and you got the usual suspects on here. What are some of the names that might surprise someone as he's got, I'll just read them off real quick. Trout Betts, Arenado, Ramirez, Lindor, Altuve, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Max Scherzer, and Aaron Judge round out your top 10. Who kind of, would you think would surprise people there? Well, obviously, Mike Trout at number one is the most surprising thing anyone has ever done in the history of fantasy baseball. No, that's I'm just checking. Just a little bit. He's kind of good. Um, I've actually had plenty of people confront me about this list, so it's it's enjoyable to me because I like to uh, get that debate going. Um, bets at two, I've had a lot of arguments about just because of last year. But I, as I put on the article, if he does what he did last year, you're still going to be kind of okay, even if you took up number two, because you're going to get a decent amount of homers and steals. The counting stats are going to be there. Jose Ramirez is obviously the big jumper here. I don't think he was in the top 20. I think he was 21 or 22 overall this year at per fan tracks, but he just keeps doing it. And if he's a 30 homer, 20 steal guy, who's going to hit over 300 in that Indians lineup, who's going to score and drive in a hundred runs each, uh, then I mean, that it's worth it. So he and Lindor, I think, are the two big surprises. Altuve, people don't mind. He struggled this year. You see the fall. Turner's about right. 
Freeman has become the new Joey Votto. So, I mean, that's pretty much where he needs to be with that. Scherzer was my token pitcher guy because there's always going to be a pitcher in the top 10, and he's the guy. And then Aaron Judge was my uh, my cutoff guy at number 10. And, and I'm not a big Judge fan because I'm just terrified of the Richie Sexton effect happening with him. But we've got 900 play appearances. Yeah, <laughs> because they're massive. Big Sexy, uh, I've got – Oh, yeah, really, yeah. Behind me, I've got a bobblehead of Richie Sexton. It's amazing. But um, I, I'm just terrified of that. But we've got 900 plate appearances of this 40-plus home run pace and a 280 average, so I'll buy in. No, I don't blame you. The Sexton comp's a great one because maybe maybe people don't remember about him, but he was supposed to be the next 40 to 50 homer guy and just you know kill everything. And, yeah, that didn't work out so well. Uh, you have a couple that missed the list, and I, I like your list, and you know how it goes with fantasy. There's going to be differences of opinion, but in the end, like you said, with bets, I agree. Even if he doesn't produce to this level once more last year, you're still getting like a top 25-ish, maybe even better hitter, which we've seen how many top 10 picks already this year not produce that value. Mm-hmm. So you'll take that. But you guys, guys like Bryce Harper, Manny Machado for starters, outside the top 10, and, and given this is like grasping at straws. But um, what are you catching flack on those at all? A little bit. Uh, in fact, a good friend of mine that I was at a recent Springfield Cardinals game with on Saturday, uh, he and I were talking about Harper because he's the biggest Harper homer you'll ever see. He wanted to name – if he was having a baby and if it was going to be a boy, he was going to name him Harper. But it ended up being a girl, so he went with Iris, which is cute. But anyway, oh, we, were, we were debating that, and uh, it just seems like every year there's something except for the 2015 season, which was his MVP year where he did everything. But sometimes the power's down, so the stolen bases come up to make up for it. Sometimes the power's up, so the stolen bases aren't there. So this year it's no batting average, which is weird because the underlying stats say you know he's in really good shape, but there's nothing you can do about it. If you're going to hit 235, you're stuck with that on your team. And if you took spend a top five pick on it, that's really hurting you a lot more than you think, particularly in batting average leagues. And OBP leagues, obviously, he's fine. But that's the guy that uh, I probably had the most flack from. There are some hardcore Manny Machado fans who've gotten on to me. And um, even I've had one guy tell me that Kershaw, if he's healthy, is in the top 10. I'm like, but he hasn't been healthy for years. So I'm done with him. So And we'll talk about him later, too. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's been an interesting mix of, of uh, opinions coming back for it. And, and keep them coming. I love to, to debate and talk to people as well. What do you think? Did, well, that, did I miss someone, or what do you think of the list? No, no, I like it because really, at this point of the season, we're grasping at some sort of a straw. But the guys you make, I can all validate. I was higher on Ramirez and Lindor than, like you said, they're going twenty to twenty-five this this season, and I had no problem with that. Where you, you know, half the group was like, "That's still crazy to take Jose Ramirez that high off of one season." Well, obviously, the hit tools were there. Um, I completely agree. I, I just I wanted to hear because there's always the trolls of the world or the people that have their team biasy or something where they're not going to agree with what you have to say. And I think this is a great exercise because most you know early 2000s or the following season drafts they usually come out around the All Star break or a little. So you you jumped it by about a month or so, and I think it's really good to start the debate now because there's people already starting to foolishly, in my opinion, and you might disagree, say uh, Mookie Betts is better than Mike Trout, which is just laughable to me. But um, I I see the argument if you can talk about it the proper way. Like this season, he's having a Trout-like season, but there's no way he's better than Mike Trout. There's different ways I look at it. But it's good for debate. That's the thing that I love about these type of articles. 
it makes all of us better fantasy people if we can have civil conversations about it. Some exactly. people some people want to have those ones where it's like, nope, I'm right, you're wrong, and there's no way you're going to convince me. And I usually just stop talking. To, like I stop answering questions. It's not worth time. But if you can have a civil debate, it makes both people better in the end, I think. That's why I like this coming out now. It could be one of those, you probably already have a plan or something where you kind of, you know, every couple of months or whatever, update it or this change or this change, something. I don't know. But it can definitely open up a whole realm of conversation. Indeed, yeah. And it's to touch on the Mookie Betts thing, I, I like that you mentioned that because we've seen it a couple of times where if you go back and look at whatever your metric is, if it's Fancraft's uh, offensive uh, metric or if it's the ESPN player writer, whatever it may be, Jose Altuve finished higher than Trout maybe two years in a row or something like that, but Trout's still the number one pick. Okay, well, maybe Betts finishes higher than Trout this year. Trout's still going to be the number one pick, and it's not necessarily because he's going to finish number one. It's because you know what you're going to get. And even in last year, which was his, quote, bad year because he got hurt, he still put up, what, uh, 33 homers, 22 steals, hit 300. So, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what the guy does. And you're not necessarily buying him because he's going to be the best player. You're buying him because, A, he is the best player, and, B, he's going to finish in that top five, guaranteed. There's Unless he misses half the season, he'll be in the top five. Yeah, there's no one with a higher floor than Mike Trout, and that is – that is so just really satisfying when you have a first round, the first pick overall. So yeah, it, it's a great topic for debate. And that's why I kind of liked uh, seeing it. So really I, it shocked me when I first came upon, well, that's really, then I started reading I'm like, okay, this is good. I like this. And I should never doubt it to begin with, but I like the idea behind it. All right. Let's talk about some, no problem. Let's talk about some players uh, as we like to do here. David Dahl, is a player that many people have wanted to see play for a long time, but he can never say healthy. He's finally got some reps this year and he looks pretty good at 275 with four homers in uh, 97 plate appearances, but he's out again, six to eight weeks of the broken foot. Like man, just as I believe it was um, Justin Mason or someone else said, you can't spell doll without DL. Yeah. So um, what's your thoughts on David doll? And then on the Rockies outfield position, because like in the great fantasy invitational, Cargo and par are available in a lot of leagues right now. Yeah, and I've even seen in your shallower leagues, your 12-teamers, Ian Desmond's out there too. And although the batting average not isn't there, the counting stats, the homers, the steals, they're there. So that's another guy I'd look at as well. Uh, Dahl I really have always liked, but he's getting that if he's healthy stigma. And it's he's just never healthy. And But this year I have him in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. So, of course, when I saw the six to eight weeks, the broken foot, it was just sadness all around. And I've had struggles in my outfield the whole time. Now, that said, looking at his numbers, he's still striking out 29% of the time, walking 4% of the time. So the underlying metrics don't really like what he was doing. And he's got a negative offensive uh, uh, rating on uh, fan graphs here. So maybe he was actually overperforming what he was doing. Now, I think that it's a small sample size and he's better than that because I think he's a really good hitter. But it, it just sucks if you're an owner because he's never really going to put that full season together. And I remember when he was a prospect, do you remember he had the um, the collision in the outfield and had like a splenectomy or something like that? And what I remember evaluating him as as a prospect was that I don't think he'll ever have more than 450 plate appearances in a season because he's because the doctor said that his health was he wasn't going to be able to recuperate as quickly as he would in the past. So maybe that plays into it. Obviously, we're seeing a broken foot. That's a whole different thing than your spleen or liver or whatever it may was that he had the issues with. But he's always had that fragile tag. 
and it's not going away anytime too soon. So if I'm a buyer, if I'm someone who's interested in David Dahl or next year at drafts, I'm probably going to avoid him until I see two years of prolonged uh, success, we'll say. You know, maybe two years of 500 plate appearances. Until I see it, I'm just going to avoid it unless the cost is absolutely nothing. But, oh, and uh, as far as uh, outfielders, I'd probably go after Cargo just because I think he gets the most time. And last year, second half was back to normal, quote-unquote. I don't think he's very good anymore, but if he can replicate some of that success in this small sample size of the second uh, two-thirds of the season, then uh, I'd probably go after him anyway. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. And it's going to be interesting with the foot injury because, you know, breaks in the foot, they heal so differently based on, you know, how quickly you come back. They're so fragile and so many factors there. They shouldn't rush him back, obviously. But it's a good point you mentioned about his healing abilities because even the injury with his backslash rib that he had that kept him out forever last year, that just seemed to never heal. Every time they thought he'd be back, it was messed up again. So who knows? There might just be a fragile individual, and it sucks, but I like the idea of just waiting, getting a full year or two out of him, seeing where he goes, because the, the bat skills are there. He just can't stay on the field. That's kind of how I feel about some pitchers, too, like Carlos Rodon. Rodon. I'm not going to yes. touch him until I see – you know, two seasons of 25 starts where they were decent. So it's just not even worth me taking that risk until I see it. That's a great point because that's another guy we've seen with great skills but can't stay on the field. Uh, and that's one of the, the big names this week in TGFBI, Fab. Let's have yeah. some fun with it. I haven't looked. I guess technically they ran 20 minutes ago almost. What do you think he went for? He probably went for, I'd say, 10 to 15% of the budget, so 100 to 150 bucks. Uh, I would maybe spend 40 on him just uh, as a flyer, just because I have a lot of budget left in there. But I, I didn't even put a bit in just because I knew I wouldn't get him. I think somebody's going to overpay. Yeah, that's how I was. I just went, I really didn't do much this week at all. That's another, no one really cares about my fab process. But <laughs> I didn't see anything, I didn't see anything really jumping off the page this week to blow my budget on. There's a guy I might blow my budget on, but he, fortunately he's not available, is Austin Meadows, who many said would be sent back down when Starling Marte got the job or came back from the DL. But Meadows has just ran with this opportunity. He's taken playing time away from Corey Dickerson and Polanco, mainly Polanco, who has just struggled again this season. Uh, what are you seeing with Austin Meadows? Are you confident that they're going to keep him up? Because I'm kind of way more confident now that the Marte's back and here he is. Because he's doing things, he's just looking like this guy we always thought he'd be, and maybe even better right now. Yeah, it's fascinating to watch what he's doing. And I happen to get him in my TGFBI team. for. I spent way too much on him, but it worked out now. Uh, do I think he stays up the whole season? I think it's probably 70% odds he does. I think if he has a prolonged stretch where he struggles, they might send him down just to, to tinker with him. But I think he probably gets oh, 450 plate appearances this year in the majors, which is saying a lot cause since he has 50. Nah, I'd say 350 in that case. Uh, We've seen a lot of these guys in the minors who never develop the power in the minors. As soon as they come up to the majors, they just start hitting for power. And he's one of those guys that, I mean, his uh, Fangraph's uh, game power ranking was 45, but he was more of a 20 to 30 uh, on the 20 to 80 grade scale in the minors just because he was hitting five homers a year. And suddenly he comes up and he starts mashing. I don't necessarily believe this output is uh, correct because it's a 23% home run per fly ball rate, the hard contact is up. But what he is doing is 
the hard contact stuff. He's hitting the ball hard. He is running, which is what we did expect, and maybe it's a little less than we would have thought. So maybe it's a little bit of that Ozzy Albies thing where the power is higher, but the stolen base is a little bit lower than we think. But in that regard, if the power tails off, I think the speed comes up. So I think it's going to balance itself out either way. I do like him a lot, and I think the odd man out here has to be Gregory Polanco. I mean, he's... He's struggling so bad, and it's, what, the fourth year in a row or something like that. I know he's young, and they really want him to succeed, but uh, Dickerson's been good. He's hitting 300. He's hitting for power. You can't take him out of the lineup. You can't take Marte out because he's the most talented of the bunch, arguably. So I think it's going to be all of them staying up, but I think Polanco has the least amount of playing time. He gets hit the hardest with this. Yeah, and I agree because everyone was so high on Polanco. Again, it's like the boy who cried – like four times now with him mm-hmm. but uh it'll be interesting because the pirates have always been bad at making trades but c dick would be a perfect trade opportunity for them in their quote-unquote rebuild they're gonna have to take advantage of so maybe polanco sits and eventually dickerson gets traded but as long as meadows is in the lineup i absolutely love it i agree with what you said and we'd have to expect the steals to just keep being like really really his forte so if the, like you said if the power drops it's it's really really gonna be fine but uh, I believe it was on this last baseball holic, anonymous with Sammy Reed, he mentioned like five or six guys, and he said it's funny. Guys like Austin Meadows who were in the minors going, okay, they're great minor league hitters or really good minor league hitters, but they're not showing the power in the minors. And they just come up and they start just busting it all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's crazy it's what they're doing. And um, I guess maybe the, the moral of the story is we have to start looking at these guys. If they have good hit tools in the minors, maybe there's more power than we're actually giving them credit for when they get to the bid. So you can get like a bigger outlook on that somewhere. Really interesting. Well, and the important thing to remember is if you're in the minors, like these guys, we, we think of baseball players as superstars, as, as celebrities. But if you're in the minors, you're traveling on a bus, you're sleeping on uncomfortable beds, you're staying in an apartment with two or three other players. So the comfort level isn't even there. So once you make it to the majors, even if you're just that rookie guy, it's already 10 times better than it could have been. So it may just even be something as simple as that, but also we've got the juice ball. We've got uh, increased home run on, on and on and on. So the better coaching helps as well. Oh, those are all valid points. There's, there's a ton of things about the minor leagues. I can get in a, a great, uh, get on my pedestal about that. I don't like how these players are treated, but that's a whole another story. Uh, let's talk about Harrison Bader of the St. Louis Cardinals, a team that you follow quite a bit over in your neck of the woods, at least their minor league program. And Tyler O'Neill, you know, he might be seen in Baywatch 2 with The Rock, but he was supposed to be the next big thing, and it didn't quite work out. So Harrison Bader kind of hung around while Tyler O'Neill was getting the spotlight, and now Harrison Bader's getting the everyday role, it seems like, and, and really taking advantage of it. What are you expecting from Harrison Bader going forward? Well, at the beginning of the year, I had no interest in him because he was the fourth outfielder we were going to see playing time. I liked Dexter Fowler enough at the beginning of the year. I didn't think he was going to just disappear like he has this year, but he has. So we're pretty much done with Dexter Fowler. So I think because of that, Bader's going to get full-time at-bats, and he's going to continue to do well enough. I, I don't necessarily know if I would hang my hopes on a championship with him, but I think he's going to hit for an okay average. He's got a little bit of power and a little bit of speed. And if you go in with the mindset of in your fantasy league, he's a fourth, maybe your fifth outfielder, then you'll do fine. But if you're relying him on as your number one or number two, it won't work out. Now, what I do want to say about Tyler O'Neill is that nothing changed for me. He did exactly what I expected him to do, which was not hit for a great average, strike out a bit, and hit some home runs. I think he's still a good prospect to target. So if you're in a dynasty league, 
even if you're out of it, if you're in it, he's a guy that I might make a trade for just to see if you can buy low on him because uh, whoever the owner was didn't like what they saw. So I actually like Tyler O'Neill. I think maybe next year we see a little more out of him. Uh, but right now this year, I think Bader's the, the third outfielder on the Cardinals. So he's really going to get those plate appearances going forward, barring you know, an absolute collapse or uh, Fowler suddenly becoming what he used to be, which I, I don't foresee. No, I uh, finally had to release Fowler in the TGFBI last week. I just, I just gave up. Couldn't do it. Um, it was killing me too much. But I like Harrison Bader, like you mentioned. He shows that power up there, but the speed he brings to the table is also a nice little one-two punch there. And um, he might still be available for some, but probably not at this point in the game. Let's talk Clayton Kershaw. You already hinted at him earlier. When we got into the season, he was the fourth for me out of the big four, and I was making arguments for having Bumgarner ahead of him. And sure, Bumgarner's been hurt, but that's a lot flukier than this back problem. The back problem is what has concerned me forever. And he made it through four in his return from the DL, and his back went out again, and MRI, all that good stuff. He's on the DL. Everyone knows the story by now. But I want nothing to do with this man. What are your thoughts on Clayton Kershaw? Same thing. I, I'm going to avoid him. And when he's pitched this year, he's was good. But he wasn't Clayton Kershaw good. Two seven six ERA, nine point seven three K per nine. I mean, we're seeing uh, Luis Severino pitching better than that. The other big three, I would argue that Syndergaard, because of his innings, has pitched better than. I mean, there's just too many guys ahead of him that I would rather have. And I don't know what his price is going to be next year. If I had to guess right now, if he pitches 110, 120 innings this season, which that's even up in the air. I think he could go back half of the second round. That's still too pricey for me. Kind of where Bumgarner was going this year. I could see him going, I'm not going to pay that. Uh, I mean, this is the first year and the most weird year that we've seen where people pay for pitching. I mean, the big four were going in the first two rounds. And long ago, when I first started fantasy baseball, it was don't pay for pitching. Don't pay for pitching. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I still kind of have that mentality. Mm Mm-hmm. But it just – I think you have to now to an extent because of the, the the way the market's playing out. But Kershaw is not going to be the guy to do it with. I think he's going to perform well when he pitches, but the win is going to be the big question. And I, I just don't ever see him really throwing 200 innings again, maybe in his career. No, no I agree because, well, A, we're not seeing many do it, period. Yeah. B, he seems like that guy that he's going to be six and done most times just because of his health like you're mentioning – so it will be interesting. The talent's there, but the velocity being down, people had to be, you'd hoped it would have been concerned coming into this year. But um, it's funny. You go to, I'm on the fan tracks, all player page for starting pitchers only. And Kershaw's not even on the first list of starting pitchers. That's going to page two for Clayton wow. Kershaw right now. So I, I was going to like name the guys ahead of him. And I just started scrolling like, I really don't need to. I don't think this, this is going to, yeah, it pretty much tells you that I, most of the Houston Astros starting rotations ahead of him and so <laughs> yeah. on and so forth. So um, it is just crazy to see. And I, I'm intrigued. I almost want to like save that little tidbit right there of where he goes next year. Cause I agree with you. He should be going to the back of the second round, but I can already foresee it now. Like you've already got your top 10 article coming out. There's going to be people already planning their, you know, buy low candidates for next year. And Clayton Kershaw is going to be their, their poster boy. I can't wait to see that one. Uh, I can see it. Yeah. yeah it'll be really interesting. Let's talk about a sad, sad song. Like if I was a great editor in time, like the, the like you and others, I'd, I'd put a clip in here of, you know, Hello Darkness or something. But <laughs> Alex Reyes, man, four ratings in his debut back to the bigs. And you saw him live and in person in his minor league rehab. This guy looked electric. 
and now he's gone with a severe lat strain. And lat strain for pitchers are not good, obviously. So what's your thoughts with Alex Reyes? I've, I don't even know if he's ownable the rest of the year, to tell you the truth. Yeah, this year, I, I, well, I didn't have a whole lot of hopes on him at the beginning of the season just because he was coming back from the, the TJ surgery. And his whole thing was uh, he had trouble with location command. And that's the last thing to come back after Tommy John surgery. However, after seeing his minor league starts, like you said, I saw him in double A. The command was there. He missed up a little bit with his breaking pitch. But, you, I mean, it was a little bit of rust, but it was better than it was prior to the injury, which is fascinating. So I was started to think maybe this guy can really contribute this year. And then, of course, this happens. And I'm out now. I don't think we really see a whole lot out of him this year. If it's maybe a little less severe than we think, we might get a month of him where he throws, you know, four, five, six innings occasionally, but they skip him a start here and there. So this, you just really can't rely on a whole lot. Dynasty-wise, I'm probably still going to rate him about the same. We saw Syndergaard come back from a lat strain, albeit a less uh, high-grade lat strain, and is pretty much fine. Uh, like, I'm confident Syndergaard's back to what he was with a little more time. Uh, Reyes, I think, can get back there. But again, this year I'm going to ignore him. But maybe Dynasty League, I'll still value him as high as I did. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. Dynasty, I could see it being okay because, you know, get him healthy, do it, do your thing, and it's fine. In a couple of years, he might be back to that guy we hope he's going to be. I was like you. I was concerned when at first I thought, okay, he'd be a good Davinsky type. That's how I thought the Dodgers should have used Walker Bueller. Injuries forced their hands there. And for both both pitchers, I thought so due to innings restrictions. These are young arms. You do not want to waste on just yeah. a run. And when they came out and said, we have no restrictions on Alex Reyes, and obviously I didn't think a lax train was going to be the problem, but I'm sitting there out, out the gate going, you guys are crazy. Like, this is just dumb. But, um, yeah, it's a shame to see. Hopefully next year, and, hey, maybe you'll get a few more rehab starts in your backyard. So you get to go check that out too. So He's fun to watch. It, it was a really nice start. He went seven and a th- two-thirds innings, struck out 13. It was a little rainy, so in the fourth inning when it was raining, he walked a couple. You could tell he was slipping a little bit. If not for that, he could have gone the eight innings, and I think he only threw 83 pitches or something like that in it. So, I mean, he was he was dealing. Now, admittedly, it was against a really terrible Royals double-A squad, but, I mean, you could see the stuff was there. The movement was there. The velocity was there. Everything was good. Yeah. You saw um, Carlos Martinez's rehab start here recently, and I believe it's yep. his last one before he's back. What did you think of seeing him? He looked like a major league pitcher in a rehab start. He was, <laughs> he, he, I mean, you could tell he was ready for the game to be over so he could get on a plane and fly out of Springfield, Missouri, which I don't blame him for. Uh, but he looked good. The velocity was good. The movement was good. Everything was fine. He gave up a couple of long home runs on a windy night, but again, it was he gives up the home run. And he turns and looks at the catcher and asks for the ball. Doesn't even care. You you could just tell he he didn't want to be there. He was just getting his reps in, and that's really what I saw. But but what I did see because of the location, the velocity, and everything, I think he's fine. I think he's going to come back just as good as he was in the, before. Maybe not as good because I think he had a one nine three ERA or something like that. But he's still, in my opinion, a really good. Maybe if he's not an ace, he's a high number two. I like Carlos Martinez a lot, and that's it's not necessarily because I've seen him a lot. It's just because I like him. Yeah, it's always been a guy I've been so torn on of, do I believe he'll be the next level guy like you do, or is he the next step back, which in reality I should just tell myself that's still a good plan B. But yeah. um, I, I always get torn on him for some reason. I, I, I don't feel like paying the price, and every year I seem to regret it when it comes around to it. So maybe <laughs> next year I'll do it, and then everybody don't touch him because I have cursed you. Yeah. Um, the Pittsburgh Pirates, their closing situation, 
First off, I'm shocked Felipe Vasquez pitched at all this week when a pitcher says he hears a pop in his arm. It's usually not good. I think he set out a day, and then he pitched like three straight days again. And he's been off, to say the least. That's the nicest way I'll put it. He's been – the ERA's up. He's been blowing saves. It's It's been a rocky roller coaster ride. They got guys like Michael Feliz, Kyle Crick, Santana, Rich Rodriguez, tons of options there. If you had to kind of evaluate the Pittsburgh situation or what you would, how you'd approach it, how would you approach the closing situation for the Pirates? Well, the first thing I'll say is that Clint Hurdle is notorious for sticking with his guy. So I really do think Vasquez has probably the longest leash, even though he's really been lit up over the last couple of games. Uh, the underlying metrics, FIP thinks he's a 299 ERA guy. So if the stuff is diminished, which it appears to be, something is amiss. Mm-hmm. I still think he can perform at an okay level. So if he doesn't, you know, completely keep blowing up like this, if he gets back to just being semi-okay, I think he keeps the job. However, if there's something wrong, and I think there very well could be, the guys I'm kind of looking at were Edgar Santana and Kyle Crick. And the reason being, and it's in that order, is that um, Santana actually closed out that recent 4-0 win. So even though it wasn't a save-up, he's the guy that kind of got the nod there. Crick is the trendy name because he was picked up in the offseason in the trade, and he was always known as a starting pitching prospect, but of course got moved to the bullpen. He's got good stuff. He's uh, this year, I just pulled up his stats 183 ERA. The other pitching metrics think he's worse than that, but he's probably walking too many, but you can get away with it. But a uh, strikeout printing is fine. But uh, I'm going to say Santana's the guy. I'm going to ignore. Feliz, just because he's been just as bad as, if not worse, than Vasquez lately. And I picked him up in one league and completely regretted it for the week I have him. And uh, Richard Rodriguez just doesn't appear to have the trust of Clint Hurdle. And I don't know why. So he's kind of a guy that I'm probably going to ignore. So I'll stick with the other two and kind of see how it pans out. Now, this is a a weird situation, so you can't bank on getting your saves here. Just pick the guy up, and if it works out, it works out. But you, but if this is what you're hanging your hopes on, you're in trouble. Yeah, no, that that's the take-home message right there, folks. If you're hanging your hopes on this, you are in trouble. Uh, last week, I actually picked up a few shares of Rich Rodriguez, mainly because in the deeper leagues, I figured at worst he pitches and keeps my ratios fine. Yeah. I would ideally like to say, like he said, he might he might have the best overall stuff out of that whole list you mentioned. Oh yeah, but Clint Hurdle being Clint Hurdle, we've seen him make great mistakes, or I mean, decisions as a manager. So um, yeah, he could make this real interesting. Kyle Crick, as a Giants guy, he was a big time prospect, and he, you know, they converted him to the bullpen. Side note: they're already talking now. Tyler Beatty, who just ran through the minors and now he's hit a wall. They're about to put him in the bullpen and try to do the same thing. So that's that's coming now. But Crick, when he played, was the closer last year in Sacramento, was really really good. So. Uh, that's something you'll see with uh, or don't see with a lot of these younger arms that get transferred or whatever. They don't really have the closing experience because, as you know, going to minor league games, especially double A and below, the best pitchers start regardless of their stuff. They might just go three or four innings. They don't. Their goal isn't usually usually to make them a closer. Right. So uh, it'll be interesting. Crick's got the experience, which to me helps a little. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what uh, actually happens in Pittsburgh. Now, are you? Do you ever watch the show King of the Hill? Uh, I don't watch it as much as I used to religiously, but yes, I do. I used to watch it quite a bit, and I'll catch the reruns when I can. So Clint Hurdle looks like Cotton Hill, Hank's dad. <laughs> and so that's, does. that's all I can think of. Every time I see him walking out the mat, it's Hank's wife, but that's all I see. <laughs> that's awesome. That's so, so good. Um, wow, I'm going to get that image out of my head now. Um, You're welcome. 
Yes, thank you. I, I always get something by listening to your shows, and usually it's a Frazier comment, but that's that might be even better. Um, <laughs> the Marlins have named a new closer, and this is one that many thought should have been there from the beginning, but if you put your fantasy you know, pants on to the side and, and put your baseball pants on, you realize Ziegler had to get the shots so they could try to trade him. Well, that didn't quite work out. Bearclaw's the guy for now. Some are saying his his numbers aren't quite what they uh, they were expected to be, but to me, they're still very, very good. What are your thoughts on Bearclaw the rest of the season? A tough fifteen closer, I think, easily is what he could be. Uh, what's fascinating about the whole situation is that, like Ziegler, how many saves did he blow? Like one? Like he only blew like one save, but yep. he's been awful in every other opportunity. So he does not deserve to, to be the closer. But you're right; they wanted to see if they could get him to do it so they could trade him. It's not going to happen. So let's move on to Barraclaw. I think Barraclaw holds the job. Uh, Steckenrider, a lot of people were calling for him, and he's got the stuff to do it. And, in fact, Don Mattingly came out and said he's got closer-type material uh, or uh, pitches and and makeup. But uh, the ERA is a little high, even though it's kind of inflated because of uh, the – the walks he's given up, the the left on base percentage is a little high. But I ultimately believe if you've got Steckenrider, hang on to him for a little bit. But if we see Barraclaw come out and he gets three, four saves in a row, drop Steckenrider. Because then Barraclaw's earned the, the job, so he will hold it for the rest of the season. And I think he could. I think he's got good stuff. Even if it's down a little bit, he's still a really good pitcher. And he's going to strike out over a batter in inning. He needs to get the walks down, but... Even with those walks, he's always been able to succeed. And you can kind of do that if you're in the bullpen, too. No, that's a great point because uh, many like to go, oh, crap, and they just drop their guys immediately. But this is a very fluid situation until proven otherwise. So yeah. don't go uh, don't go running and doing that unless, oh, heck, you can go pick up a top-end guy. Sure, but uh, most people can't do that. So be, be smart, sit it out and watch it for a little bit and see how it plays out. Mattingly, he, he definitely does – have loyalty factors involved, but to Bearclaw and Steckmaner, who's he really loyal to? Who knows? We take this brief break from Bench with Bubba to talk to you about RotoWare. It's one of the best quality shirts in the industry. When I mean industry, all the clothing industry, the fantasy sports industry, because people are rocking it, they're loving it. You're seeing it in a lot of big outlets now. The no other brand can compete with RotoWare in terms of quality. They're premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts. They specialize with a special, special printing process. The design is part of the shirt. Literally, it is, it is dyed and bleached into the fabric. No thick ink. There's over 30 different designs right now. It's just crazy, all the stuff they have coming out. And there's more and more stu- stuff every time you turn your head. They have fancy football, baseball, hockey, basketball, some really cool DFS ones. But everything's great. They have men's, women's, and kids. Check them all out. Go to rotoware.com, R-O-T-O-W-E-A-R.com. Check them out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Rotoware. But the cool part, guys... If you use the promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, you get 20% off your order. Again, promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S. Check their site out. Check them Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're always giving away free shirts. And then when you go to purchase the ones you want for you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whatever, use promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to this week's episode of Benched with Bubba. Uh, Let's talk about the St. Louis Cardinals again. Yair Munoz. Shortstop for the Cardinals. It seems like the Cardinals, they're so good at just, oh, another guy went down. Let me pull some guy no one's heard of out of the minor leagues. And, and usually they've heard of him a little bit, but still not a top prospect. And he's just going to crush baseballs. And that's what Munoz has done. He's been really good. Strikes out 31% of the time in the bigs. That's not ideal. But um, everything's pretty, pretty solid to start out his little run here. 
uh, why De Jong's on the DL, and I don't know if he'll keep the job once De Jong's back or keep a playing spot. I'm, I'm, I know De Jong will get the job back. But what's your takes on a guy like Yair Munoz right now? I think you pretty much hit the the nail on the head there with what the Cardinals do. They'll pull garbage names just out, and then suddenly they're really good players. DeJong was one of those guys. He was a guy that nobody really cared for. And to be honest, I was out on Paul DeJong at the beginning of this year. I don't like guys that walk as little as he does and strike out as much as he does, but guess what? He was doing it this year. So I do believe that when he comes back, he will have the job back. And I was kind of looking it up. I can't remember how long he's out for. Uh, but it's it's long enough that if you're in need of somebody, Munoz is going to perform, and he's going to perform okay enough. I don't think he's quite this good, but he's going to play in that Cardinals lineup, and it's shades of Aledmi's Diaz a few years ago when they just called him up because they had a need, and suddenly he had a pretty good year. And then the next year he kind of fell off. I could see a lot of that with Diaz, or Munoz here, but uh, for now, if he's performing jump on the bandwagon because it just seems to be the tradition of the Cardinals. Maybe it's something to do with the way they coach. I don't know, but it's just kind of how it goes. So if you're in need of a middle, middle infielder, there you go, pick him up and see what you can get while the is on the DL. Yeah, no, he's going to be on the deal for a while. He just started resuming baseball activities I'm reading on. So yeah, we got some time with him, but Munoz, that's exactly what I thought of immediately as a lot of his Diaz. And then we saw how that turned out. So just great. Um, so enjoy it, like you said, while he's here, and then just be ready for the fall. Now, I'm being lazy because I tend to do that, but looking at Munoz's Fangrass page, he came from the A system. Was this the piece of the Piscotti deal? Yeah, you yeah, he, he okay. was involved with that, yeah. That's what I thought, too. But, you know, A plus B equals C. It's funny how that works. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's roll to Seth Lugo of the New York Mets, a guy that was having an outstanding season on the bullpen. He – yeah, I, everybody likes to say Andrew Miller, Miller or Davinsky type. That's just the way you, you refer to it. But obviously, he's not that good. But he was being very, very productive out of that Mets bullpen. Now he has to, to, to head into the rotation for the time being. What's your outlook on a guy like Seth Lugo? And maybe he goes back to the pen quickly when Thor comes back. But uh, his stuff's been pretty, pretty good. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's important to note that the Mets are going to have a fluid kind of situation with their their starting rotation so we can't count on mats to be healthy i think they're going to skip thor every now and then which is the smart move because i don't really like him going 200 innings 30 innings 200 innings so i think they'll limit him a little bit so i think lugo might kind of shuffle back and forth now what that means is when he does start he's probably not going to you know throw seven eight inning games but he could if you're in a quality starts league maybe avoid him but if you're in a wins league I could see him getting the fives and you're right. He's been phenomenal this year. The strikeouts are up to 9.08 per nine. The walks are right around where they always are right at two. And his ERA is at two, two, one. Whereas last year he was at four, seven, one. He's in the middle between that. He's not as good as this. He's not as bad as he was last year. So if he's going to get starts and even if he isn't, even if he's just going to provide you some good bullpen innings, there's still a lot of value to be had there. So I actually really like Seth Lugo. I think if you're hurting in the rotation, and I think this is a good point going forward, by the way, we're kind of seeing a changing of the guard as far as starting pitchers go in baseball. We don't have the 250-inning guys, that even the 200-inning guys we used to. So these bullpen guys, your Davinskys, your Millers, your Lugos, who pitch three, four innings occasionally, they're going to hold more value because they're going to get the vulture wins. You're going to get the innings pitch. You're going to get the good ratios. So we have to start paying a little more attention to them than we used to. And I think he's a prime guy to pay attention to. No, and that is a great point. Um, Lugo, guys like Colin McHugh, who I own in a lot of places, 
a lot of these guys, if you got to remember, just just turn your brain off from the whole thing called a win. Just go away from that because, like you said, they're going to vulture a lot, but everybody associates starting pitchers to the win. So turn your brain off from that. If it's a quality start leagues, well, you're kind of getting screwed, yes. But um, it's the way of the world, the way things are changing. These guys are coming in, and, you know, they might come into the fifth or the sixth, like you're saying, throw two, three innings, maybe come in earlier. So many different angles, and they do that twice a week. That'll be better than most starters you have every week. Mm-hmm. So yep. – you need to step back and look at the ratio game, look at your K per nine type stuff and see where those angles go. And a guy like Lugo fits in perfectly there. And people, they, they look at the, the recent quote unquote success or not success he's had in the bigs, but he's shown really good signs of being that guy. And each year he's improved between the minors and the pros. Things have looked a lot better and he might not just be, Hey, he's got the most, you know, the highest spin rate on a curveball in baseball anymore. So there, there's a lot to look forward to with Seth Lugo. I like that point a ton there. Matt Andreezy is another guy I yes, like. I, uh, he's going to be the same kind of pitcher. What do you think about – you mentioned Andreezy, and I was thinking Lugo kind of – he's 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 more in the Davinsky-Miller class, but it's almost falling into this whole opener strategy where you have, you know, your your uh, Yarboroughs and Bandas for the, for the Rays. We saw the Dodgers do it the other day with Santana. Mm-hmm. First off, what's your thoughts on the the opener? I think it's interesting. Uh, that's about the the best way I could put that. I'm kind of staying back just to see how it all pans out, uh, yeah. just because it's a really weird way to go about doing things. But baseball is a traditionalist sport, so anytime something changes like that, it's hard to take. But I think if it becomes the new norm, like I said earlier, we just kind of have to react to it and change the way we think about it. Um, you know, Sergio Romo starting two out of the three games in a row or whatever, that's when your man Andreezy guy is going to get you your wins is because you're going to have your weird bullpen guy coming in. And then somebody like that's going to come in and pitch a few innings too. So that's another thing that was very important. Like you said, get it, get it out of your head that it has to be a starting pitcher because these, these vulture bullpen guys are going to be the ones that I think make or break certain leagues, particularly the bigger leagues, you know, 15 team at least. If you're in a 12 team yeah. league, you can probably stick with starters right now. But we're, we're definitely seeing a changing of the guard. And also, last note on this, we'll move on. But the a lot of leagues are going to or already do have, you know, any restriction leagues. These guys become even more valuable to me in those leagues because yeah, you're right. getting so much more bang for your buck. So keep all of that in mind. Let's talk about a guy as, you know, you had your Hank or your King of the Hill reference. If you think, you know, the old caveman with a big club, Dylan Cousins has to come to mind. This is a big, big boy who hits ball very, very far, but he also strikes out a ton. It's just like, this is Pedro Serrano before he found hat for bat. So um, <laughs> like this, this is your guy, and he's very, very good. And Reese Hoskins has the flukiest injury I have ever seen, and I've watched baseball and played baseball pretty much my entire life. I have never seen a foul ball hit someone in the jaw like that. Yeah, that was no, ridiculous. That was just freakish. I was, I remember, I think I was doing a podcast. I had my TV on over the computer and the MLB tonight's on. And I nearly had to stop and go, what just happened? Because <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> um, but he's out for quite a while, uh, six to eight weeks. Because we got to remember, folks, with a broken jaw, and luckily he didn't have to have surgery, but he's still going to be not eating normally, lots of liquids. Um, his normal strengths going to have to get rebuilt, stuff like that. So keep that in mind. But Dylan Cousins is here. What's your thoughts on Cousins while he's here? Well, one point, too, on, on Hoskins' injury, if you've ever had a toothache in your life, you know that every step you take, you feel that. And that's going to be exactly what it's going to be with him with this draw. Every step he takes, every move he makes, 
I'll stop there. But uh, yeah, it's not going to be pleasant. I'll be missing you. <laughs> uh, Cousins is the Phillies just seem seem to just do this. They have these big slugging, you know, corner infielders, maybe corner outfielders who hit the ball a long way but strike out a lot. We've seen uh, Tommy Joseph, Reese Hoskins, Cousins. It's just they seem to breed them. And I think while Hoskins is hurt, Cousins is a fine option. I don't think you're going to really get the 333 batting average he's got in his uh, one game. But uh, if he hits if he hits 230 to 240, I think it's a victory because the power is going to be there. I have no doubt about that. Uh, I just I would take the under on that batting average. But if you're in a, uh, if your team is in a situation where you can handle that and you need some power hands down, go, and, go out and get it. Because this is a guy with a decent pedigree. He's a little bit older. He's not their top prospect. He's 24. But he's a guy that can hit. And I maybe see a little Fran Mil Reyes type in him. Uh, so if, if you if you bought into Fran Mil Reyes, buy into Dylan Cousins. It's kind of a similar deal. Reyes is obviously playing out of his mind in the minors this year. Cousins is just playing like we expected him to. So I think he could even be had for cheaper, kind of a sneaky player. So TGFBI, that would have been a great player to sneak and try and grab if you needed it. Uh, I didn't even think about picking him up because I don't really need that position. Yeah. But that's that's definitely a guy I'm keeping an eye on going forward. Yeah, no, I'm very intrigued by what he did. And Hoskins doing it last year really, you know, I think the expectations might be higher than they should be. But we also didn't expect Hoskins to hit for the average he hit for last year. We expect him to be what we expect Cousins to be, basically. So, you know, if he gets a good – I think Hoskins is out six to eight weeks – um, I'd, I'd, I'd stay towards the eight weeks part of it, but it could be wrong. So you're going to get maybe a, year, a month and a half or two months of Cousins over under 12 home runs. Mm, I think I might take the over on that oh, just because I think you. he gets, I think he hits 13. It's not a high over, but I think it's something crazy like that. Cause I think he'll have one of those home stands where he hits five home runs in four days exactly. or something like that. And that alone will bump him up to that number. Yeah, that ballpark does not suck for hitting. No. Uh, let's let's talk a couple uh, a couple more players here. Wade LeBlanc. This is a guy I refuse to believe is good, but damn it, he has looked really good so far. Small sample, very very small sample. Uh, used to be just a full time reliever, makes the transition to the starting rotation. I guess he's had some starts in the past too, but uh, the Mariners are utilizing him and utilizing him well. What's your opinion on Wade LeBlanc? I'm pretty wary of Wade LeBlanc. However, there's something in the water in Seattle because look at what Marco Gonzalez is doing uh, up there. I mean, we've got a couple of these fringy starting pitching guys who are performing well. Now, Seattle's not a tough park to pitch in for sure. It's a big stadium. So that's the good news for it. And we say small sample size, but 45 innings is decent to see that we've got a 2-6 ERA. Obviously, the FIP, XFIP, Sierra, I think he's worse than that. But he's always been a guy that when he succeeds, he outperforms those metrics. So I don't think he's a 2-6 ERA guy, but I guess ride the wave while it's high. But I'm not going to say – if I'm uber desperate, I'll do it. But I'm not going to buy that much into this. Like this isn't a guy I'm picking up in a dynasty league. No, 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 no. But yeah, if you need a spot starter, two-star week, definitely somebody can at least look at now because – He's done a little more. He's 45 innings isn't bad, so at least we've seen something there. Let's look at a guy that I was super high on in the preseason because I thought Conforto would be out for a while. Then about the last couple of weeks, Conforto is supposed to be back, so it kind of reined it in, and rightfully so, because the Mets did Mets things and played other people ahead of him, like signing Adrian Gonzalez, but that's a whole other story for another day. But um, Brandon Nimmo, 
is finally getting everyday playing time at the top of that Mets order, and my goodness, he has ran with it. He has played so good, hitting 287 homers, five stolen bases, and maybe he's shown a little more power than most of us thought. I didn't think he'd be super powerful. Could be another Austin Meadows type like we talked about. But the speed to me is something we can definitely pay attention to. And he can get on and be a table setter too, but it's not for a real offense. But what's your th- thoughts on Brandon Nimmo going forward? I always like Brandon Nimmo because that's the kind of player I like. Guys who get on base a lot and who are just overall have that batting eye and discipline. Because when they struggle, like if Brandon Nimmo goes through a period where he's struggling, he's still going to get on base, which means you're also going to get runs scored. So when they do worse than they normally would do or what you would ex- have your expectations that you're still going to get still going to get some value. Whereas if you've got Runetto Door, and even though he hits 220, but if he hits, starts hitting 160, you're not going to get anything out of him. Uh, so Nimmo, I like. You're right. The power, I'm kind of questioning, but like we talked about with Meadows in the majors, sometimes these guys just hit for more power. So at the beginning of the year, I thought maybe a 10-10 homers and stolen base guy. I don't know. Maybe he's a 15-15 guy. We'll, we'll, time will tell, but you're right. The speed is is worth noticing. He has been caught twice, which isn't horrible, but it's been better, and he's been taking the opportunities more than I would have guessed. Uh, but he's also doing the what I expected. He's walking 14% of the time, and he's kind of like what Conforto was last year in that suddenly we're like, wow, this is going to be a really good player. That's kind of how I feel about Nimmo this year. As long as he stays healthy, which he doesn't have the injury history Conforto has, I think he's going to provide some good value. I think the window's closed and being able to buy him super cheap, but if you own him, you're in pretty good shape. Definitely, and definitely dynasty-wise, he looks like a good piece of the puzzle. Let's talk Brian Goodwin from the Nationals. Just wanted to mention him because he's back from the DL. Before he went on the DL with all the injuries the Nats have been having, he was kind of a productive guy. People looked at him in deeper fantasy leagues uh, while he was in the lineup there batting him towards the top of the order. You know, Adam Eaton's rehabbing right now, but I just have no faith on him ever staying healthy this season. Michael A. Taylor really hasn't been that good, but most people shouldn't have thought he was going to be great by any means. What do you do with a guy like Brian Goodwin? Do you sit and wait in case you need someone or another injury pops up, or do you take the chance now? I just ignore him. Uh, There's too many guys in there, particularly with Soto coming up and being as good as he has. Now, Adam Eaton, I do want to kind of mention, it's very hard to buy in that he's going to be healthy. But the one thing I want to point out is that that ankle was still hurt at the beginning of the year. They just addressed the knee issue last year. So now that he's got the ankle fixed and they're playing him in center field in the minors, which shocked me. But if they expect him to be able to play center field even a little bit, I think they have a lot of faith in his health. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to happen, but and I'm still cautious about buying it. But if he's healthy, he's their center fielder. You've got Michael Taylor as your backup, which means you've got Soto and uh, Harper for the other spots. So I I just don't see playing time here. So I'm just kind of going to ignore the situation, really. Okay, no, that's fair. I just wanted to bring him up. Let's talk Yohan Camargo, a guy that got a chance last season for the Braves and produced pretty well, hitting 300 over 82 games with the big club, four homers, showing a lot more power in the minors this year, well, three, but in, in uh, eight games. And then he was up in the bigs, already has five home runs in 37 games this year, only hitting 221, but he's the everyday third baseman that the Joey Bautista experiment is finally over. Austin Riley is waiting in the wings whenever the Braves decide to do that. But for now, it's Camargo's job. Switch hitter, been productive. What are your thoughts on him? I like him simply because the Braves have been awful aggressive on a lot of their prospects lately, but they haven't been on Riley. I don't know why, but they just, for whatever reason, are just kind of taking their time with it. So that tells me that 
maybe the faith isn't quite there yet, or they do want to get him a little more seasoning. So in that case, I like you said, I think this is Camargo's job. And I think he's doing well enough. The 221 average isn't great, but he's walking 15, 16% of the time. So he's getting on base, which is great. Now that the power's up, he's slugging 433. There's enough success here that he's going to be valuable. And the BABIP's only 234. So you know the average is going to come up once the balls in play start finding holes. So I like him fine. Maybe he's not your savior at third base, but with the way injuries are going around here, you've got a decent third base shortstop that you can plug in there. In a yeah, good, and- on a good lineup, too. Yeah, a great lineup, corner infield, middle infield. He's got everything you're going to want to look for. So I think he's a really good ad while he's here. Uh, I believe I was talking to James Anderson a couple weeks back, and I asked him about Austin Riley and asked why are they not bringing him up? He's doing everything he's supposed to do. And he said outside of the rare fluky case of Ronald Acuna, the Braves have always been an organization that wants to go step by step, and you have to take your time in each step. So, And it also comes to the fact that, yes, they are competing this year, but to many, including myself, they're about a year ahead of where I think they should have been. So do you waste – does the business aspect come into it is always a question as well. So we'll have to see how that one plays out. But I'd love to see him up there because the kid's crushing baseballs. Oh, yeah. See. He's good. Last guy I'll mention here, or we will mention here, Joe Musgrove. He's come back from the DL for the Pirates. Two really, really good starts. Really, really good. And obviously, you can't be as good as your the, – the peripheral stats will not be as good as what he's been because he's been that good. But what are you looking at with uh, Joe Musgrove? He definitely seems like he's fantasy viable in most formats. Oh, I, I definitely believe he is. He's um... – not a strikeout artist. He's more of a control command guy. And so I kind of liken him a little bit to Kyle Hendricks. So if he's, if Joe Musgrove does what peak Joe Musgrove can do, you're going to get Kyle Hendricks numbers of, uh, you know, maybe 8.5 K per nine low walks. He's always in the zone. He doesn't strike out a ton of guys, but never gives up a lot of hard contact. The home runs aren't too bad. So I like him. Uh, The innings pitched are going to be, Interesting to see because he only got to, what, 110 or something last year. I guess if they let him go the rest of the season, he might hit a little more than that. But I think they're going to be kind of cautious due to the injuries. But when he pitches, I think he's going to be pretty good. And the Pirates, at this point, they've already got him locked in for the money. Just let him go and see what you can do with him. No, I like that a lot. I think he's going to probably could be penciling for about 130-ish innings, which might just be towards the end of the season. So. Could be a nice little run for him there. Last thing I want to ask you. You already mentioned it at the beginning of the pod, and if people aren't following him, again, it's at Manly Van Lee. Lots of great stuff he does, and he's been going to a ton of uh, minor league games. What are some of the things that have kind of stood out to you that you did not expect to see with some of these players? Because that's what I love about minor league games. There's always somebody that all of a sudden you have to like look more into afterwards. Well, this is going to be a little embarrassing because of my job with the Dynasty podcast and everything, but I'll, I'll admit it. I'll admit it on this show. So it's I your special the honesty. Appreciate uh, it. I came into a game a couple days ago. I think it was the uh, no, it was the Alex Race game. It was a different one. Anyway, um, and uh, CNL Perez was pitching for the opposing team. And it, for whatever reason, I saw Perez. They never posted his first name that I saw. And I didn't even think about it. But I remember looking at him when he came onto the mound. And I'm like, how is this five foot four guy? He's going to get lit up. And then he started to rattle off some of the most impressive stuff that I've seen live in a while. 
Uh, the fastball was up to 98, which shocked me. The breaking pitches, particularly the circle change, was phenomenal. He had so much break on that. So that alone, Sainal Perez went into my periphery more than he initially had just because of seeing that start. And then the the best story I want to tell is, uh, I forget his Twitter handle, but there's a career minor leaguer named Victor Roach. He's now in his fourth organization of four years. I think it was Milwaukee, Cubs, Milwaukee, now the Cardinals. He's a 28-year-old career minor leaguer. I've gone to four games this year, and he's been in the starting lineup in three, and he's homered in all three of those games. So I'm trying to get him to be like, yeah, comp me some tickets or maybe give me some bobbleheads or something. But uh, <laughs> that's the fun aspect of minor league games is to find guys like that. But CNL Perez has been the big one for me that it was really eye-opening seeing how good his stuff is. Nice. Yeah, I, I tried to make the drive up to San Jose. It's about an hour from me and check out the Giants there. And, and the, the it's the high A uh, California League. So I, I enjoy checking out a lot of those kind of who knows. There's always the big names, but you always find random guys that stand out to you. So mm-hmm. tons of fun. I, I almost prefer going to those in the, the big show. So uh, that's my cup of tea. But, but as we wrap this up, Mr. Van Lee, why don't you let everybody know where they can find all of your great, great work? Oh, that's very polite of you to say great, so I appreciate that. Uh, you can find my work on FantraxHQ.com, where I'm a writer, of course, the podcast producer. Uh, the three sh- main shows I do, I've got the Launch Angle podcast with Silver and Zimmerman you mentioned earlier, the Nasty Cast with uh, Ron Rigney and Nathan Dawkins, who've both been on the show, and then we also do the Fantrax Dynasty baseball show. Uh, just check us out at Fantrax HQ. That's the best place to find all this stuff. And then, uh, like you said, follow me on Twitter because I'm I'm trying to do more with Twitter as much as I loathe it. I'm getting better at it, even though I'm getting older. I'm actually getting a little better at Twitter. Yes, Twitter is a cesspool. That's the nicest way I can put it, but it is a very useful cesspool if done properly. Like it, it's, a, it's a tool you have to accept. That's the only thing. Um, but some nights I even loathe logging into Twitter, so I'm with you. But uh, – Go check out Fantrax. It is a great, great website. We've been pumping it since, you know, preseason baseball. What they've done there from then till now even has been remarkable. Uh, Van mentioned the Fantrax HQ. It's a whole separate site from the, the fantasy game aspects and tons of articles. We've had a bunch of those guys on the show. So go check that out. And his podcast, they really are really good stuff. Uh, I'm not oh, even just – I forgot one. Uh, Reddit AMA. I'm doing one this Wednesday. Uh, I'll be in the slash fantasy baseball doing it. Uh, Eric Cross and I are going to be handing it off back and forth. So I'm getting this week. So that'll be fun. Come send me some stupid questions there. Cause I enjoy that a lot. I might have to log in now under an alias and just send Van some pick some questions. This will be great. There but, you go. Man, I, I appreciate you joining me. Everybody again, check them out on Twitter at manly van Lee, uh, van Lee. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me on. This was great. Bench with Bubba, episode 98 in the books. Catch you guys next time.
Hey, Drew Scott here. And I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.